Hey there, this is the Hello Personality Podcast, the podcast for curious and open people who want to take their personality type from a casual curiosity to a life-changing path for growth, all for the purpose of creating a life focused on who you really are and what matters most. I'm your host, Leslie McDaniel, and this is episode 10. This episode is a continuation of diving deeper into the layer beneath your four letters of your personality type in this system. And I began this in the last episode, which is episode nine. So if you missed that episode, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to that one first before continuing with what we're going to talk about today. A quick note before I begin, I'm going to answer your questions about anything from this season one in the 16 types personality system in the final episode of this season. And we'll do that before we begin diving into the Enneagram in season two. So if you have a question, you can submit it at hellopersonality.com slash podcast. And there will be a little pop-up window there. And your question may be featured on the final episode of season one. Okay, so if you remember in the last episode, I asked you to visualize a string of four beads to represent four of your mental functions. Now, we spent most of the time in episode nine talking about the relationship between the first and the last beads in this string, and those are represented by, or those represent your dominant and inferior functions. I also briefly introduced the four main struggles that different groups of personality types have, but I didn't clarify which types have which struggle. And we're going to get into that today, and I'm going to expand on the problems that each type faces when they ignore that last bead or their inferior function. If you want to be the best version of yourself, and if you want to move forward as your most authentic self, you'll want to pay attention to the way that this dynamic, the dynamic between the first and the last bead or your first and last cognitive function, you'll want to pay attention to the way this dynamic plays out for your personality type. In order to experience a personal transformation in this area, you really need two things. The first is that you must be willing to be curious and open and be willing to learn and observe some new things about yourself, some of which may not be extremely comfortable to face. And the second thing is a willingness to take action on what you learn. So keep that in mind as we go through the different struggles that personality types have in this episode. Way back in episode one, I laid out the best strategy for working with your personality type. And The one thing that remains consistent through each of the levels that I described in that strategy is the skill of self-reflection and the skill of self-observation. I'm going to give you guidance on what to reflect on and what to observe about yourself that may help you clarify your personality type in this episode, but you're not likely to nail down your type with 100% certainty just by listening to this. But because your personal development is a journey and not something to be just checked off a list and to be done with at one point in the future, this information I'm going to share with you will help you slow down and really think critically about how you're showing up in the world. 
All right, so I think I've said enough to lay the groundwork for getting into the core struggles of each of these personality types. And to get into the core struggles, I want to look at four categories of types in the 16 type system that I briefly mentioned in the previous episode. The first category is what I'll call the EJ types. These are all the types that begin with E and end with J. These include ENTJ, ESTJ, ENFJ, and ESFJ. All of these types are externally oriented because they're extroverted. But more than that, they're oriented toward making decisions based on whatever the standards are in the external world. Now, this is the role of their dominant function, to know and follow these external standards and to make decisions that honor the outer world. As we talked about in the last episode, you know that having this as their first bead or their dominant function means that this is so natural to them that they do it automatically and confidently and skillfully. The attention of the EJ types is drawn so much to the outer world and making decisions that honor things and people in the outer world. Can you guess what the opposite of this is and the thing that will suffer as a result? The thing that they'll tend to ignore and dismiss or not give enough attention to? Well, here's a little pop quiz. What's the opposite of an externally focused decision-making function? If you thought it's an internally focused decision-making function, you're right. We've talked about this in previous episodes. So the EJ personality types can fall into the trap of ignoring their own inner guidance, which may include their own feelings or truths. It's not that these types don't have any feelings or that they don't have any strong beliefs, because they absolutely do. It's just that the thing that dominates their life their external focus on doing things for others and making things happen in the world around them can smother their own internal feelings and truths. They may find themselves setting these things aside in favor of what needs to be addressed in the external world. Now, if you already know a little bit about the names of the mental functions that the EJ types use, you're going to recognize these things as extroverted feeling or extroverted thinking. The EJ types that have an overall preference for feeling, which are ENFJs and ESFJs, use externally focused feeling. This means they minimize their internally focused thinking. And the EJ types that have an overall preference for thinking, which are the ENTJs and ESTJs, are dominated by externally focused thinking, which means they minimize their internally focused feeling. So with this first category of personality types, the EJs, the struggle is giving and doing so much for others that they ignore their inner standards for making decisions. An important transformation for these types includes really slowing down to pay attention to their inner wisdom, even in the face of all the things that need their attention in the world around them. Now, We're going to further subdivide the EJs into the specific types. So for ENFJs and ESFJs, this means spending time clarifying what they really think and believe and what makes logical sense to them, even if it's different from what the groups around them think and believe. Now, these groups can be their families, their churches or professional groups or really 
any group that they're around that will pull their attention from their inner world. They need to consciously spend time here in their inner world every day to check in with themselves to see if they're in integrity with their own thoughts and beliefs. For ENTJs and ESTJs then, this means spending time clarifying what they feel and what they like, what they're passionate or convicted about, and what their own identities are apart from the people or the groups or the work that they do, and apart from the ways in which they can make things easier for others by solving their problems and figuring things out, or maybe just being productive and getting things done in the external world. If you think you might be an EJ type, imagine being able to take care of the external world's needs, but also doing it in a way that causes you to feel like you're acting out of integrity, honoring your own convictions and being authentic in your thoughts and your feelings. This is a powerful combination because it will make you even more impactful and even more helpful And it will keep you on the path of what really matters, not just pulled by the next thing and the next thing and the next thing that needs your attention. This is what the integration of the dominant and the inferior functions looks like for the EJ types. Let's talk about the IP types, since in some ways they have the opposite struggle of the EJ types that we just talked about. These types are any types that start with an I and end with a P. And this includes the INFPs, ISFPs, INTPs, and ISTPs. And they're focused on their inner world because they're introverted, but more specifically, the compulsion of their dominant function, the first bead in their cognitive function sequence that we've been talking about, is to make decisions based on their own internal standards. These types are highly in tune with their own feelings and beliefs, which is the opposite of the EJ types that we just talked about. And whether it's beliefs or feelings depends on the type of IP, and we'll get to that in just a minute. So the IP types have a dominant function that is internally focused, and it's an internally based decision-making function. If they're so confident and comfortable making decisions based on their own internal standards, What do you think they sacrifice or don't give enough attention to then? Once again, when we're talking about the inferior function, it's the polar opposite of the thing that they naturally and confidently do all day long. So the opposite for IPs and the thing that gets pushed aside is making decisions based on what's happening in the external world. So the IP types will fall into the trap of ignoring or setting aside things like social rules or external metrics or markers of their progress in favor of spending all their time focused on their own inner guidance and standards. Now, which ones of those, the social rules or the metrics that they push aside depends again on the type of IP that they are. But dismissing the guidance of their externally focused inferior function can cause them to struggle in the external world. They may find themselves not making any progress or not getting along with others. So once again, if you already know the IP cognitive functions, you're going to recognize their dominant functions as introverted feeling or introverted thinking. The IP types that have an overall preference for feeling, which are the INFPs and ISFPs, use internally focused feeling or introverted feeling. 
And this means they minimize the externally focused thinking, which we also call extroverted thinking. And the IPs that have an overall preference for thinking, those are the INTPs and ISTPs, are dominated by their internally focused thinking, which we call introverted thinking. And this means they minimize their externally focused feeling or extroverted feeling. Now, those names, those technical names are not super important to know or remember. I just wanted to make that connection if you've already studied some of this. It's totally okay if you haven't. So in this second category of personality types, the IPs, the struggle is focusing so much on their own feelings or beliefs that they miss or ignore the way the world works outside. An important transformation for IP types then is getting into the external world and paying some attention to those outer world standards. For INFPs and ISFPs then, this could look like setting up small projects for themselves or setting small goals and finding ways to measure their progress in an external way. They'll be able to get more things done with these goals, but also being able to access external resources that could support them. And they'll be able to see the positive feelings they get when they have a positive impact on others. For INTPs and ISTPs, this could look like joining groups that allow them to serve others or experience connection. And they can recognize when the social rules or standards make sense. And they'll be able to find that they are fitting into groups that align with their own beliefs and interests. If you think you might be an IP type, imagine being able to still be guided by your strong convictions or beliefs, but to also take the parts from the external world that will allow you to have more impact or connection and to be able to better know what other people are thinking and feeling. That's a powerful combination. All right, so those are the first two types, the first two categories of the 16 type system, the EJs and the IPs. As you could probably hear, they have the opposite strengths and core struggles. Now I wanna take a second before we move on and point out that the things that dominate the lives of each of these types is not wrong or bad. And it's okay to keep doing them. It's just that to be the best version of yourself, you want to recognize how much attention you give to that and how little attention you give to its opposite. And that will help you be more balanced and integrated. If you want those things, you'll want to flavor your dominant function a little bit with the inferior function and what that function can bring to the table. This makes you less one-sided. Okay, Moving on to the third group of personality types. These are the IJs. The IJs include the INFJs, ISFJs, INTJs, and ISTJs. It's all the types that start with an I and end with a J. So of course these are introverts and they're dominated by their inner world learning function. Their attention is compulsively drawn inward to forecast potential outcomes for some IJs, and for other types of IJs, it's to carefully and thoroughly put together the details of what has already happened, what has stood the test of time, or maybe what an expert says. If they're compulsively drawn toward their inner world to learn, they will habitually miss what the outer world offers to teach them. They'll sacrifice external world learning in favor of their own internal world learning. 
Because of their focus on learning from what's inside of them, they're going to be really thrown off by anything new or unexpected that the external world throws at them. Some IJs, the INFJs and INTJs, are so confident in what they predict is going to happen and the pattern of what they see coming down the line that when something happens that wasn't part of that scenario or or that prediction, they'll become extremely stressed and they may freak out at this new thing that crossed their path. They can also just plain miss what their environment is telling them in the moment. And so therefore they're not able to adapt or adjust or take in and act on this new information. Their dominant function is an internally focused learning function called introverted intuition. And the thing they sacrifice, their inferior function, is extroverted sensing. The other IJ types, the ISFJs and ISTJs, are so confident in the thorough details that they've collected and what they know from their catalog of their life's experiences and what trusted experts have proven to be true that they sacrifice curiosity or a willingness to experiment, to get things wrong, or to be creative. They won't trust what they can imagine or what could be. And for these IJs, their dominant function is called introverted sensing, and what they sacrifice is called extroverted intuition. The transformation for the IJ types comes when they start intentionally paying attention to their inferior function, which is the polar opposite of what they're compulsively drawn toward. And they'll be able to start handling new information from their environment. And their internal learning processes become even more rich and nuanced because of this external input. Flavoring their dominant function with just a little bit of their inferior function means they'll be able to take some small yet healthy risks that can provide new breakthroughs in their understanding and their ability to learn and perceive from the outer world. This transformation for IJs comes from getting into the external world and taking a risk and risking not being able to control or predict or already understand every aspect of what might happen. If you think you might be an IJ type, imagine bringing more real world action or creativity to the ideas and learning that takes place in your mind. Think about how much your learning and understanding could expand by combining what you're already so good at, your very perceptive internal world, with dashes of real world experiences or experiments. All right then, that brings us to the last group of personality types in the 16 type system. And these are the EP types, which include the ENFPs, ESFPs, ENTPs, and ESTPs. When it comes to where their attention is naturally drawn and what they don't give enough attention to, it's the exact opposite of the IJ types that we just talked about. As extroverts, the EP types are drawn toward their external world and they're dominated by learning from what happens outside of them. As a result, they sacrifice learning from those internal sources that we talked about with the IJ types. Because they're much more interested in gaining more and more information from the external world, they often reject or ignore or just don't give enough attention to what's already happened or the tried and true or planning for the future. It depends on their type, which ones of these they ignore, which we'll get into in a second. But generally, it's the information that can be found within them. 
Unlike the IJs, these types, the EPs, are very adaptable, and they desire to be very open and available to the new things that the world offers them. And so they tend to reject anything that could hinder or limit their freedom. Some EPs, the ENFPs and ENTPs, are so confident and comfortable with imagining creative and innovative connections between things and generating possibility after possibility that they miss the wisdom of the tried and true. This is the big imbalance for extroverted intuition that these types use as their dominant function and introverted sensing, which they both use as the inferior function. The other EPs, the ESFPs and ESTPs, are so confident and comfortable with adapting to what's happening in their environment from moment to moment, that the guidance that could be provided by planning for future scenarios or learning from their previous experiences or seeing the consequences of what they're being drawn to in their environment could offer them a more rounded approach to their learning and perceiving. The transformation for these extroverts then would be to slow down and pay attention to what they can learn by going inside and looking at the things they tend to dismiss. If you think you might be an EP type, imagine how much more grounded or meaningful your experiments and experiences in the external world could be. You could have an anchor point to come back to that could guide you and provide a jumping off point for all of that external learning that you are drawn to. So which of these categories might you fall into? You can see that for each of these categories in the 16-type system, the EJs, IPs, IJs, and EPs, that there's something that's essentially overdone and that receives an excessive amount of attention. We call this the dominant function. It's that first bead in the string of your cognitive function sequence. And then there's an opposite of this, your inferior function, that last bead, that tends to be neglected. To truly transform and become the best version of yourself, you need to flavor your dominant function with some of the wisdom or guidance from your inferior function. In the level one package that I offer and that I work with clients on in the 16 type system, you'll identify not only what your personality type letters are, but you'll also see what your dominant and inferior functions are. But more importantly, you'll learn just how they're both impacting you in your life right now. And you'll learn the things that you can start doing right now to integrate these two functions so that that inferior function isn't screaming for attention. And I promise you it will if it's ignored for too long. If you're curious about all of this and you want personalized guidance in this process, let's work together. I would love to help you identify your core struggle and how it's showing up in your life right now. But not only that, I'd love to help you see what to do about it. If you remember back at the beginning, we talked about the key things, and that is being able to be curious and open to learning new things about yourself and also being willing to take action on it. That's where the transformation comes. And level one is set up to help you do just that. If you go to hellopersonality.com slash 16 types, that's one six types altogether, you can learn more and complete an application for the level one package. I really hope we can work together because I'm super passionate 
about helping people increase their awareness of how these functions are impacting them on a daily basis and the connections that they have to building a life that's not just about taking action, but about taking the actions that matter most. In the next episode, we'll look at the tension that exists between the inner and outer world when you look at those two middle functions, or the two beads that are in the middle of your string of cognitive functions. And we'll look at what it looks like when these two clash against each other. Okay, so that's it for today. If you have any questions at all about anything in season one or the 16 type system, you can submit them at hellopersonality.com and just go to the podcast page there. And one last request, if you're enjoying the show, would you consider leaving a rating and review? I would really love that. And I would really greatly appreciate your feedback and support. Okay, so I'll see you in the next episode. Take care. Take care.